10. Squiz, was one of his most facile imitators, and Carano de Miranda 1614-1685 was influenced by Velasquez, and for a time his assistant. The Castilian school may be said to have closed with these late men and with Claudio Silo 1635-1693, a painter with a style founded on Titian and Rubens, whose best work was of extraordinary power. Spanish painting went out with Spanish power, and only isolated men of small rank remained. A and the ALUSIAN school, this school came into existence about the middle of the 16th century. Its chief center was at Seville, and its chief patron the church rather than the king. Vargas 1502-1568 was probably the real founder of the school, though de Castro Fluid 1454 and others preceded him. Vargas was a man of much reputation and ability in his time, and introduced Italian methods and elegance into the Andalusian school after 20-odd years of residence in Italy. He is said to have studied under Perino del Vega, and there is some sweetness of face and grace of form about his work that point that way, though his composition suggests Correggio. Most of his frescoes have perished, some of his canvases are still in existence. Cespedes 1538-1608 is little known through extant works, but he achieved fame in many departments during his life, and is said to have been in Italy under Florentine influence. His coloring was rather cold, and his drawing large and flat. The best early painter of the school was Roilas 1558-1625, the inspirer of Murillo and the master of Zerbaran. He is supposed to have studied at Venice, because of his rich, glowing color. Most of his works are religious and are found chiefly at Seville. He was greatly patronized by the Jesuits. Pacheco 1571-1654 was more of a pedant than a painter, a man of rule, who today might be written down an academician. His drawing was hard, and perhaps the best reason for his being remembered is that he was one of the masters and the father-in-law of Velasquez, his rival. Herrera the Elder 1576-1656 was a stronger man in fact, the most original artist of his school. He struck off by himself and created a bold realism with a broad brush that anticipated Velázquez in fact. Velázquez was under him for a time. The pure Spanish school in Andalusia, as distinct from Italian imitation, may be said to have started with Herrera. It was further advanced by another independent painter. Zerbaran 1598-1662, a pupil of Roilas, he was a painter of the emaciated monk in ecstasy, and many other rather dismal religious subjects expressive of tortured rapture. From using a rather dark shadow he acquired the name of the Spanish Caravaggio. He had a good deal of Caravaggio's strength, together with a depth and breadth of color suggestive of the Venetians. Cano 1601-1667, though he never was in Italy had the name of the Spanish Michelangelo, probably because he was sculptor, painter, and architect. His painting was rather sharp in line and statuesque in pose, with a coloring somewhat like that of Van Dyck. It was eclectic rather than original work. Murillo 1618-1682 is generally placed at the head of the Andalusian school, as Velasquez at the head of the Castilian. There is good reason for it, for though Murillo was not the great painter he was sometimes supposed, Yet he was not the weak man his modern critics would make him out, a religious painter largely, though doing some genre subjects like his beggar boy groups. He sought for religious fervor and found, only too often, sentimentality. His Madonnas are usually after the Carlo Dolce pattern, though never so excessive in sentiment. This was not the case with his earlier works, mostly of humble life, which were painted in rather a hard, positive manner. 
Later on he became misty, veiled in light and effeminate in outline, though still holding grace. His color varied with his early and later styles. It was usually gay and a little thin. While basing his work on nature like Velasquez, he never had the supreme poise of that master, either mentally or technically, albeit he was an excellent painter, who perhaps justly holds second place in Spanish art. School of Valencia, this school rose contemporary with the Andalusian school, into which it was finally merged after the importance of Madrid had been established. It was largely modeled upon Italian painting, as indeed were all the schools of Spain at the start. Juan de Jones 1507 1579 apparently was its founder, a man who painted a good portrait, but in other respects was only a fair imitator of Raphael, whom he had studied at Rome. A stronger man was Francisco de Rivalta 1550-1628, who was for a time in Italy under the Caraxi, and learned from them free draftsmanship and elaborate composition. He was also fond of Sebastiano del Piombo, and in his best works at Valencia reflected him. Rivalta gave an early training to Aribra 1588-1656, who was the most important man of this school. In reality Ribera was more Italian than Valencian, for he spent the greater part of his life in Italy, where he was called Los Agnoletto, and was greatly influenced by Caravaggio. He was a Spaniard in the horrible subjects that he chose, but in coarse strength of line, heaviness of shadows, harsh handling of the brush, he was a true Neapolitan darkling. A pronounced mannerist he was no less a man of strength, and even in his shadow saturated color as a painter with the color instinct. In Italy his influence in the time of the decadence was widespread, and in Spain his Italian pupil, Giordano, introduced his methods for late imitation. There were no other men of much rank in the Valencian school, and, as has been said, the school was eventually merged in Andalusian painting, 18th and 19th century painting in Spain almost directly after the passing of Velázquez and Murillo Spanish art failed. The 18th century, as in Italy, was quite barren of any considerable art until near its close. Van Goya 1746-1828 seems to have made a partial restoration of painting. He was a man of peculiarly Spanish turn of mind, fond of the brutal and the bloody, picturing Inquisition scenes, bullfights, battle pieces, and reveling in caricature, sarcasm, and ridicule. His imagination was grotesque and horrible, but as a painter his art was based on the natural, and was exceedingly strong. In brushwork he followed Velázquez, in a peculiar forcing of contrasts in light and dark he was apparently quite himself, though possibly influenced by Ribera's work. His best work shows in his portraits and etchings. After Goya's death Spanish art, such as it was, rather followed France, with the extravagant classicism of David as a model. What was produced may be seen to this day in the Madrid Museum. It does not call for mention here. About the beginning of the 1860s Spanish painting made a new advance with Mariano Fortuny 1838-1874. In his early years he worked at historical painting, but later on he went to Algiers and Rome, finding his true vent in a bright sparkling painting of genre subjects, oriental scenes, streets, interiors, single figures, and the like. He excelled in color sunlight effects, and particularly in a vivacious facile handling of the brush. His work is brilliant, and in his late productions often spotty from excessive use of points of light in high color. He was a technician of much brilliancy and originality, his work exciting great admiration in his day, and leading the younger painters of Spain into that ornate handling visible in their works at the present time. Many of these latter, 
from association with art and artists in Paris, had adopted French methods, and hardly show such a thing as Spanish nationality. Fortunis brother-in-law, Madrazo 1841, is an example of a Spanish painter turned French in his methods a facile and brilliant portrait painter. Zanacoy's 1840-1871 died early, but with a reputation as a successful portrayer of 17th century subjects a little after the style of Meissonier and not in like Jerome. He was a good colorist and an excellent painter of textures, the historical scene of medieval or Renaissance times, pageants and fates with rich costume, fine architecture and vivid effects of color, are characteristic of a number of the modern Spaniards' villages, Pradilla, Alvarez. As a general thing their canvases are a little flashy, likely to please at first sight but grow wearisome after a time. Palmaroli has a style that resembles a mixture of Fortuny and Mysomir, and some other painters like Luis Jimena Saranda, Sorola, Zuloga, Anglada, Garcia y Ramos, Vierge, Roman Ribera, and Domingo, have done excellent work. In landscape and Venetian scenes Rico leads among the Spaniards with a vivacity and brightness not always seen to good advantage in his late canvases. Principal works, generally speaking, Spanish art cannot be seen to advantage outside of Spain. Both its ancient and modern masterpieces are at Madrid, Seville, Toledo, and elsewhere. The Royal Gallery at Madrid has the most and the best examples. Castilian School Rincon, Altarpiece Church of Rodlita de Chavala, Beruguit, Altarpieces Saragossa, Valladolid, Madrid, Toledo, Morales, Madrid and Louvre, Sanchez Silo, Madrid and Brussels Muse. Navarrete, Escorial, Madrid, St. Petersburg, Theodocopoli, Cathedral and Astome Toledo, Madrid Muse. Velasquez, Best Works in Madrid Muse, Escorial, Salamanca, Montpensier Gals, Map, Gaulon, Infanta Margarita Louvre, Borrow Portrait, Berlin, Innocent Exteriorone, Mazo, Landscapes Madrid Muse. Carano de Miranda, Madrid Muse. Claudio Silo, Escorial, Madrid, Brussels, Berlin, and Munich Muse, A&D-A-O-U-S-I-A and School Vargas, Seville Cathedral, Cespedes, Cordova Cathedral, Roilas, S. Isidore Cathedral, Museum Seville, Pacheco, Madrid Muse. Herrera, Seville Cathedral and Muse, and Archbishop's Palace, Dresden Muse. Zerbaran, Seville Cathedral and Muse, Madrid, Dresden, Louvre, Nat, Gaulon. Cano, Madrid, Seville Muse, and Cathedral, Berlin, Dresden, Munich, Murillo, Best Pictures in Madrid Muse, and Akkad, of S. Fernando Madrid, Seville Muse, Hospital and Capuchin Church, Louvre, Nat, Gaulon, Dresden, Munich, Hermitage, VALENCIA and School Juan de Jones, Madrid Muse, Cathedral Valencia, Hermitage, Rivalta, Madrid and Valencian Muse, Hermitage, Ribera, Louvre, Nat, Gaulon, Dresden, Naples, Hermitage, and other European museums, Chief Works at Madrid, Modern Men and Their Works Goya, Madrid Muse, Akkad, of S. Fernando, Valencian Cathedral and Muse, two portraits in Louvre. The works of the contemporary painters are largely in private hands where reference to them is of little use to the average student. Thirty fortunes are in the collection of William H. Stewart in Paris. His best work, The Spanish Marriage, belongs to Madame de Cusson, in Paris. Examples of villages, Madrazo, Rico, Domingo, and others, in the Vanderbilt Gallery, Metropolitan Muse, New York. Boston, Chicago, and Philadelphia Muse, 
Chapter XVI, Flemish Painting, Books Recommended, Buster, Recherche sur les Painters Gantois, Croan Cabal Gazelle, Early Flemish Painters, Gust, Van Dyck, D. Heisens, Lord Danslow Flander, Du Jordan, Lord Flamand, Eisenman, The Brothers Van Etik, Thetis, Els Artists Belgies Elettringer, Fromanen, Old Masters of Belgium and Holland, Gerrits, Rubens Zynid, etc., Geoffrey, Van Dyck, Hasselt, Historia de Rubens, Weijens Kugler, Handbook of Painting German, Flemish, and Dutch Schools, Le Monnier, Historia des Arts and Belgique, Mance, Adrian Brouwer, Mitchell, Rubens, Michiles, Rubens and Lecole Danvers, Michiles, Historia de Lopanger Flamand, Stevenson, Rubens, Van den Branden, Jess Edenies Dier and Wurpsius Gilderschule, Van Mander, Oliver des Painters, Weijen, Oberhubert and Jan Van Etik, Weijen, Peter Paul Rubens, Waters, Rodier van der Weiden, Waters, Lopanger Flamand, Wheel, Hans Memlinger and Lossack, Wheel, Note Sir Jean Van Etik, The Flemish People, Individually and Nationally The Flemings were strugglers against adverse circumstances from the beginning, a realistic race with practical ideas, a people rather warm of impulse and free in habits, they combined some German sentiment with French liveliness and gaiety. The solidarity of the nation was not accomplished until after 1385, when the Dukes of Burgundy began to extend their power over the Low Countries. Then the Flemish people became strong enough to defy both Germany and France, and wealthy enough, through their commerce with Spain, Italy, and France to encourage art not only at the ducal court but in the churches, and among the citizens of the various towns, Flemish subjects and methods, as in all the countries of Europe. The early Flemish painting pictured Christian subjects primarily, the great bulk of it was church altarpieces, though side by side with this was an admirable portraiture, some knowledge of landscape, and some exposition of allegorical subjects, in means and methods it was quite original, the early history is lost, but if Flemish painting was beholden to the painting of any other nation, it was to the miniature painting of France, their island however, no positive record of this. The Flemings seem to have begun by themselves, and pictured the life about them in their own way. They were apparently not influenced at first by Italy. There were no antique influences, no excavated marbles to copy, no Byzantine traditions left to follow. At first their art was exact and minute in detail, but not well grasped in the mass. The compositions were huddled, the landscapes pure but finical, the figures inclined to slimness, awkwardness and angularity in the lines of form or drapery, and in certain in action. To offset this there was a positive realism in textures, perspective, color, tone, light, and atmosphere. The effect of the whole was odd and strained, but the effect of the part was to convince one that the Flemish painters were excellent craftsmen in detail, skilled with the brush, and shrewd observers of nature in a purely picturesque way. To the Flemish painters of the 15th century belongs, not the invention of oil painting, for it was known before their time, but its acceptable application in picture making. They applied oil with color to produce brilliancy and warmth of effect, to ensure firmness and body in the work, and to carry out textural effects in stuffs, marbles, metals, and the like. So far as we know there never was much use of distemper, or fresco work upon the walls of buildings. The oil medium came into vogue when the miniatures and illuminations of the early days had expanded into panel pictures. The size of the miniature was increased, but the minute method of finishing was not laid aside. Some time afterward painting with oil upon canvas was adopted. School of Bruges, 
Painting in Flanders starts abruptly with the 15th century. What there was before that time more than miniatures and illuminations is not known. Time and the iconoclasts have left no remains of consequence. Flemish art for us begins with Hubert van Eddyck, 1426 and his younger brother Jan van Eddyck, 1440. The elder brother is supposed to have been the better painter, because the most celebrated work of the brothers the St. Devon altarpiece, parts of which are in Ghent, Brussels, and Berlin bears the inscription that Hubert began it and Jan finished it. Hubert was no doubt an excellent painter, but his pictures are few and there is much discussion whether he or Jan painted them. For historical purposes Flemish art was begun, and almost completed, by Jan van Eddyck. He had all the attributes of the early men, and was one of the most perfect of Flemish painters. He painted real forms and real life, gave them a setting in true perspective and light, and put in background landscapes with a truthful if minute regard for the facts. His figures in action had some awkwardness. They were small of head, slim of body, and sometimes stumbled, but his modeling of faces, his rendering of textures in cloth, metal, stone, and the like, his delicate yet firm facture were all rather remarkable for his time. None of the surly Flemish art has the grandeur of Italian composition, but in realistic detail, in landscape, architecture, figure, and dress, in pathos, sincerity, and sentiment it is unsurpassed by any 15th century art. Little is known of the personal history of either of the Van Eddicks. They left an influence and had many followers, but whether these were direct pupils or not is an open question. Peter Christus 1400-1472 was perhaps a pupil of January though more likely a follower of his methods in color and general technique. Roger van der Weyden 1400-1464, whether a pupil of the Van Eddicks or a rival, produced a similar style of art. His first master was an obscure Robert Campion. He was afterward at Bruges and from there went to Brussels and founded a school of his own called the School of Brabant, he was more emotional and dramatic than Jan van Eddyck, giving much excited action and pathetic expression to his figures in scenes from the Passion of Christ, he had not van Eddyck's skill, nor his detail, nor his color, more of a draftsman than a colorist, he was angular in figure and drapery, but had honesty, pathos, and sincerity, and was very charming in bright background landscapes, Though spending some time in Italy, he was never influenced by Italian art. He was always Flemish in type, subject, and method, a trifle repulsive at first through angularity and emotional exaggeration, but a man to be studied. By Van Dier goes 1430-1482 there are but few good examples, the chief one being an altarpiece in the Uffizi at Florence. It is angular in drawing but full of character, and in beauty of detail and ornamentation is a remarkable picture. He probably followed Van der Weyden, as did also Justus Van Gend last half of 15th century. Contemporary with these men direct bouts 1410-1475 established a school at Harlem. He was Dutch by birth, but after 1450 settled in Louvain, and in his art belongs to the Flemish school. He was influenced by Van der Weyden, and shows it in his detail of hands and melancholy face, though he differed from him in dramatic action and in type. His figure was awkward. His color warm and rich, and in landscape backgrounds he greatly advanced the painting of the time. Memling 1425-1495, one of the greatest of the school, is another man about whose life little is known. He was probably associated with Van der Weyden in some way. His art is founded on the Van Eddyck school, and is remarkable for sincerity, purity, 
and frankness of attitude. As a religious painter, he was perhaps beyond all his contemporaries in tenderness and pathos. In portraiture he was exceedingly strong in characterization, and in his figures very graceful. His flesh painting was excellent, but in textures or landscape work he was not remarkable. His best followers were Van Dier Meary 1427, 1474, and Gerard David 1450, 1523. The latter was famous for the fine, broad landscapes in the backgrounds of his pictures. Said, however, by critics to have been painted by Jolchim Padner. He was realistically horrible in many subjects, and though a close recorder of detail he was much broader than any of his predecessors. Flemish schools of the 16th century, in this century Flemish painting became rather widely diffused. The schools of Bruges and Ghent gave place to the schools in the large commercial cities like Antwerp and Brussels, and the commercial relations between the Low Countries and Italy finally led to the dissipation of national characteristics in art and the imitation of the Italian Renaissance painters. There is no sharp line of demarcation between those painters who clung to Flemish methods and those who adopted Italian methods. The change was gradual. Quentin Massey's 1460-1530 and Mostert 1474-1556, a Dutchman by birth, but, like Bots, Flemish by influence, were among the last of the Gothic painters in Flanders, and yet they began the introduction of Italian features in their painting. Massey's led in architectural backgrounds, and from that the Italian example spread to subjects, figures, methods, until the indigenous Flemish art became a thing of the past. Massey's was, at Antwerp, the most important painter of his day. Following the old Flemish methods with many improvements, his work was detailed, and yet executed with a broader, freer brush than formerly, and with more variety in color, modeling, expression of character. He increased figures to almost life-size, giving them greater importance than landscape or architecture. The type was still lean and angular, and often contorted with emotion. His money changers and misers many of them painted by his son were a genre of his own. With him closed the Gothic school, and with him began the Antwerp school, the pupils of which went to Italy, and eventually became Italianized. Modus 1470-1541 was the first to go. His early work shows the influence of Massais and David. He was good in composition, color, and brushwork, but lacked in originality, as did all the imitators of Italy. French Flores 1518-1570 was a man of talent, much admired in his time, because he brought back reminiscences of Michelangelo to Antwerp. His influence was fatal upon his followers, of whom there were many, like the Frankens and Davos, Italy and Roman methods, models, architecture, subjects, began to rule everywhere. From Brussels Barent Van Orley 1491-1542 left early for Italy, and became essentially Italian. Though retaining some Flemish color, he painted in oil, tempera, and for glass, and is supposed to have gained his brilliant colors by using a gilt ground. His early works remind one of David, Kopchi 1499-1592. The Flemish Raphael, was but an indifferent imitator of the Italian Raphael, that leech the Romanists, so-called, began with Lambert Lombard 1505-1566 of whose work nothing authentic remains except drawings, that Bruges Peter Pierbus 1510-1584 was about the last one of the good portrait painters of the time, another excellent portrait painter, a pupil of Squirrel, was Antonio Moro 1512-1578, he had much dignity, force, and elaborateness of costume, 
and stood quite by himself. There were other painters of the time who were born or trained in Flanders, and yet became so naturalized in other countries that in their work they do not belong to Flanders. Neuchâtel 1527-1590, Gelderp 1553-1616, Calvart 1540-1619, Stranger 1546-1627, and others, were of this group. Among all the strugglers in Italian imitation only a few landscapists held out for the Flemish view. Paul Brill 1554-1626 was the first of them. He went to Italy, but instead of following the methods taught there, he taught Italians his own view of landscape. His work was a little dry and formal, but graceful in composition, and good in light and color. The Brulettles there were three of them also stood out for Flemish landscape, introducing it nominally as a background for small figures, but in reality for the beauty of the landscape itself. 17th century painting, this was the great century of Flemish painting, though the painting was not entirely Flemish in method or thought, the influence of Italy had done away with the early simplicity, purity, and religious pathos of the Vanetics, during the 16th century everything had run to bald imitation of Renaissance methods, then came a new master genius, Rubens 1577-1640, who formed a new art founded in method upon Italy, yet distinctly northern in character, Rubens chose all subjects for his brush, but the religious altarpiece probably occupied him as much as any. To this he gave little of Gothic sentiment, but everything of Renaissance splendor. His art was more material than spiritual, more brilliant and startling in sensuous qualities, such as line and color, than charming by facial expression or tender feeling. Something of the Paolo Veronese cast of mind, he conceived things largely, and painted them proportionately large titanic types broad schemes and masses of color, great sweeping lines of beauty. One value of this largeness was its ability to hold at a distance upon wall or altar. Hence, when seen today, close at hand, in museums, people are apt to think Rubens's art coarse and gross. There is no prettiness about his type. It is not effeminate or sentimental, but rather robust, full of life and animal spirits, full of blood, bone, and muscle of majestic dignity, grace, and power and glowing with splendor of color, in imagination, in conception of art purely as art, and not as a mere vehicle to convey religious or mythological ideas, in mental grasp of the pictorial world, Rubens stands with Titian and Velasquez in the very front rank of painters, as a technician, he was an excelled, a master of composition, modeling, and drawing, a master of light, and a color harmonist of the rarest ability, he, in addition, possessed the most certain, adroit, and facile hand that ever handled a paintbrush. Nothing could be more sure than the touch of Rubens, nothing more easy and masterful. He was trained in both mind and eye, a genius by birth and by education, a painter who saw keenly, and was able to realize what he saw with certainty. Well born, ennobled by royalty, successful in both court and studio, Rubens lived brilliantly and his life was a series of triumphs. He painted enormous canvases, and the number of pictures, altarpieces, mythological decorations, landscapes, portraits scattered throughout the galleries of Europe, and attributed to him, is simply amazing. He was undoubtedly helped in many of his canvases by his pupils, but the works painted by his own hand make a world of art in themselves. He was the greatest painter of the North, a full-rounded, complete genius, comparable to Titian in his universality, his precursors and masters.
Van Newark 1562-1641 and Vonnie's 1558-1629, gave no strong indication of the greatness of Rubin's art, and his many pupils, though echoing his methods, never rose to his height and meant lower artistic grasp. Van Dyck 1599-1641 was his principal pupil. He followed Rubin's closely at first, though in a slighter manner technically, and with a cooler coloring. After visiting Italy he took up with the warmth of Titian. Later, in England, he became careless and less certain. His rank is given him not for his figure pieces. They were not always successful, lacking as they did in imagination and originality, though done with force. His best work was his portraiture, for which he became famous, painting nobility in every country of Europe in which he visited. At his best he was a portrait painter of great power, but not to be placed in the same rank with Titian, Rubens, Rembrandt, and Velázquez. His characters are gracefully posed, and appear to be aristocratic. There is a noble distinction about them, and yet even this has the feeling of being somewhat affected. The serene complacency of his lords and ladies finally became almost a mannerism with him, though never a disagreeable one. He died early, a painter of Mark but not the greatest portrait painter of the world, as is sometimes said of him. There were a number of Rubens's pupils, like the Appendix 1596-1675, who learned from their master a certain brush facility, but were not sufficiently original to make deep impressions. When Rubens died the best painter left in Belgium was Jordines 1593-1678. He was a pupil of Van Neuert, but submitted to the Rubens influence and followed in Rubens's style though more florid in coloring and grosser in types. He painted all sorts of subjects, but was seen at his best in mythological scenes with groups of drunken satyrs and bacchants, surrounded by a close-placed landscape. He was the most independent and original of the followers, of whom there was a host. Crayer 1582-1669, Jansen's 1575-1632, Zegers 1591-1651, Rombouts 1597-1637, were the prominent ones, they all took an influence more or less pronounced from Rubens, Cornelius Tavos 1585-1651 was a more independent man a realistic portrait painter of much ability, Snyder's 1579-1657, and Fitz 1609-1661, devoted their brushes to the painting of still life, game, fruits, flowers, Landscape Snyder's often in collaboration with Rubens himself, living at the same time with these half-Italianized painters, and continuing later in the century, there was another group of painters in the Low Countries who were emphatically of the soil, believing in themselves and their own country and picturing scenes from commonplace life in a manner quite their own. These were the little masters, the genre painters, of whom there was even a stronger representation appearing contemporaneously in Holland. In Belgium there were not so many nor such talent men, but some of them were very interesting in their work as in their subjects. T. Myers the younger 1610-1690 was among the first of them to picture peasant, burger, ale life, and nobleman in all scenes and places. Nothing escaped him as a subject, and yet his best work was shown in the handling of low life in taverns. There is coarse wit in his work, but it is atoned for by good color and easy handling. He was influenced by Rubens though decidedly different from him in many respects. Brouwer 1606-1638 has often been catalogued with the Holland School, but he really belongs with T. Nyers. In Belgium, he died early, but left a number of pictures remarkable for their fine, fat, quality and their beautiful color. He was not a man of Italian imagination, 
but a painter of low life, with coarse humor and not too much good taste, yet a superb technician and vastly beyond many of his little Dutch contemporaries at the north. T. Myers and Brower led a school and had many followers. In a slightly different vein was Gonzalez Coquet's 1618-1684, who was generally seen to advantage in pictures of interiors with family groups. In subject he was more refined than the other genre painters, and was influenced to some extent by Van Dyck. As a colorist he held rank, and his portraiture rarely seen was excellent. At this time there were also many painters of landscape, marine, battles, Still life in fact Belgium was alive with painters but none of them was sufficiently great to call for individual mention. Most of them were followers of either Holland or Italy, and the gist of their work will be spoken of hereafter under Dutch painting. 18th century painting in Belgium, decline had set in before the 17th century ended. Belgium was torn by wars, her commerce flagged, her art spirit seemed burned out. A long line of petty painters followed whose works call for silence. One man alone seemed to stand out like a star by comparison with his contemporaries. Virgin 1728-1811, a portrait painter of talent. 19th century painting in BLGIU.